Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I'm your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here as always with my wife and co-host, Catherine Wild Coker. How you doing tonight, Catherine? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing okay. Here we're in the middle of whatever is the warm season for Southern California, right? Yes, it was a warmy today. We've been blessed with some cool weather this summer, and so usually August, September, it kind of creeps up on us, gets a little warm, and I think that time has begun. And we talk about this because we don't have air conditioning in our place, so it's a little extra. It's a little uh, dance we have to do with the house. It is a dance, but I will say I'm thrilled that since last September, you've decided that we can now do the podcast with the window open. I so appreciate that. I think our listeners do too, because I won't have to take a break in the middle because I'm too hot. I can't hear your anxiety and your stress from sweating into the microphone. And I I don't get warm that easily. So let me tell you, it was unbearable. I I mean, I've learned a lot from last year. If if we've learned anything from going into year two of the long finish is that we got to do the uh, podcast with the windows open. We have the windows open tonight, and we're here together again for episode 44 of The Long Finish. Thank you to everyone for continuing to listen to the show. You know I'm going to say it. We'd love it if you rated, reviewed, and subscribed to our show. We'd love to hear from you. Creeping up to the 100 reviews, it means a lot to us. So as we get close to our uh, episode 50, if you want to send us a little gift, make it a review. A quick rating. We love it. Subscription. But you're here tonight for episode 44, and we're going to talk about what's been going on with us, what's been going on with Esther's, and of course... Topic of the night is, well, we're thinking because it's hot, right? Let's think about something refreshing. Where can we get something refreshing? The islands. We're going to Greece tonight. That's it. So what are we drinking tonight? Oh, gosh. This delicious wine. This is from Thimiopoulos. Apostolos Thimiopoulos is the winemaker. This is the Atma Assyrtico 2019, and it's from Nusa, Greece. That's in Macedonia. And it is crisp and clean and just super refreshing for a hot night. So we'll get into that a little bit later. This gives us an opportunity at some point to talk about our trip to Greece 17 years ago. No way. We're still kids. But we are in our infancy of being together as a couple. And we decided to travel Europe. We went to Greece. So we'll get into that in a minute. Let's fast forward to modern day and talk about our life with two kids. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> let's not talk about the romantic part where the halcyon days where uh, everything looks so good in our memories here we are gutting it out with two kids in sunny santa monica how's the week been good the kids are good you know nothing new to report it's just constant chaos here and we're getting up earlier like that was an early complaint that we had, and we're now we're getting up. I know kids are getting up before six well, easily. The the little one is going through some separation anxiety, so he wakes up multiple times the night. He gets up early. He was jumping out of his crib last week. That's right. That's right. Okay, we did solve that for the time being. That could be changing by next week, but for the time being, we got him a sleep sack. And he's staying in it, and so now he just says, "Daddy, yeah, mommy." When he wakes up, but that's way preferred to jumping out of the crib. So no, it's basically a, like there's a, there's a dam, right? And we plug one hole, and the other hole opens, which is they can't we can't put a sleep sack in his mouth. <laughs> oh, no, that's it. That's true. We He's just have scream. to be more firm, and we could be more firm. We could, but except that it wakes up the other kid 
if he cries too much. So it's just like, what's worse in the moment, you know? I'm such a weak parent, too. I'm like, anytime he you cries. You are my, such a softie. Anytime it's he ridiculous. cries my name, I'm in there, baby. I know. So sad. Well, great. You go in. I got one night this week. I got seven hours of sleep because you got up in the middle of the night for him. And so I was solid seven hours. And at 5.15, I woke up like, oh, my gosh, the most refreshed I've felt in I ages. I think I'll go for a walk outside now. The sunshine's calling my name. <laughs> Whatever Basically, song. I can't it was remember that like song. That. Is, that the, is, that, is that the Partridge family? What song is that, guys? Let me know. Well, I was on a high all day. I was singing in my head. The funny part is that you and I rotate days when who gets to sleep in, and we know we always know whose day it is. So whose day is tomorrow to sleep in? My day. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I love it when my day falls after the long finish. <laughs> it's so true. It's the best. Oh, and I'm well. like, sure, let's do the podcast. Let's have wine because I'm sleeping in. Anyway, we got some good news. Got some reinforcements coming in. I heard today from my parents that they have had enough of not seeing the kids, their, their grandkids out in California. They're going to be making a drive across country. That drive will take place in late August, and they'll arrive in September and be here for a couple of weeks. And that's exciting for me. I haven't seen my parents in what will be eight months. And I know the kids will be excited, too. And um, I mean, you haven't had a, really a vacation. We had a couple of days off for your birthday in May, but it would be nice to hopefully go somewhere for five days. I cannot wait. I'm seen so a lot of excited. pictures of friends on Instagram, right? Like where they're, they're taking little trips, driving out to the national parks seeing things no people are camping Camping. people are going to little airbnbs they're doing like little safe things they can do and it seems great we got to get on that yeah we're jealous we're saying it right now we're jealous we're jealous of you but you're gonna be jealous of us for the next 20 minutes and hopefully you can you can share in and that jealousy by getting this bottle at esther's or somewhere else and we're gonna talk about this delicious wine that we're having tonight so let's talk about Greek wine. Can we do that? I love it. Tell the audience one more time what we're drinking. So the producer is Apostolos Thymiopoulos. It's the one, that's the winemaker as well. And this is the Atma Asirtiko. Atma is the name of the wine, which means soul in Greek. And Asirtiko is the name of the grape variety. And this is vintage 2019, and it's from Nusa in Macedonia. So everybody knows that the Greeks have been drinking wine forever, right? Like, I mean, it's in the ancient texts, you know, Aristotle, Homer, these guys are drinking wine. Greece has a super long history of wine. I think not the first place, but one of the top three, at least, places where there was wine production. And back in the day, they couldn't really control whether oxygen was getting in or not. And so black wine, which is what they called it, but really red wine, was the revered kind of wine. And it was either sweet or dry and or sometimes sour was actually a phrase that some of them used. But wine was like a healing drink, you know? People prescribed it for health reasons, even like for everything, tons of different ailments, including depression, which is kind of hilarious. But the tradition has carried on, you know, the Greeks have been growing grapes forever. But recently, well, in our modern times, you know, 
people don't talk as much about drinking Greek wines. It's only more recently that they're now like in the international market pretty regularly. And I think one of the reasons is because all the grape varieties are so different for us. All indigenous grape varieties that are native to Greece and they're not easy to pronounce and they're not easy to remember and they don't have cousins in other countries that we know like Sauvignon Blanc. They're really specific. They're not easy to pronounce for English speakers. Exactly. That's just why they're not in the international market. But once you start drinking these wines, you're like, oh my gosh, they're so delicious and they're so accessible and for the most part, really affordable wines. And Greek wines are grown all over. So the islands, the Aegean islands, they're grown in Crete, they're grown on the mainland, they're grown in Macedonia. Because I was looking up Macedonia when you were talking about it, because I'm not quite sure where Macedonia is. And it looks like it's the northern part of Greece, bordering Serbia and parts of uh, Bulgaria even. Yeah, it's a huge region within Greece. It's northern Greece, technically. It's the biggest part of the mainland. Then there's like central Greece. Then there's southern Greece, which includes Crete, I guess, and the Aegean Islands. There's some wonderful maps out there. I'll post one on our social media this week. I think many people... When you say Italy, you can kind of conjure up an image in your mind of what that country looks like, or France, or not a country, but a state, California. But for me, Greece is a little harder, along with some other countries. But once you start looking at the map, that just makes it way easier. So some of these wild grape varieties are Assyrtico, Moscofilaro, Malagusia, Savatiano, and Retsina. Those are like the white grapes. And they're actually Retsina is kind of, it, it means resonated wine or ri- wine with resin, but it's a like very traditional kind of wine in Greece where it is exposed to pine resin. And so it has this really intense piney character to it. And it's traditional because the Greeks used to age wine in amphora, big clay pots instead of in oak, and they would seal the amphora with the pine resin. And so it became, you know, people got it used to it and it became like a thing. Two so, mentions of amphora in the past two weeks, last week being oh, the, wine, the bar. wine bar in New York City. So now you know why it's called amphora. Then some red grape varieties. You have Xenomavro is a big one and Ayoyitiko is another one. Those are like the two big ones that I know, but there's tons of blends out there as well. And then there's some sweet wines too. This grape that we're drinking tonight, Assyrtico, is probably like if Greece had to say what put them on the map as far as a grape variety, this would be it. Think of it like Gruner Veltliner from Austria or like Riesling from Germany. It is the noble variety that they have. I'm glad you said that because when we were talking about what we wanted to talk about on the podcast this week, I said something crisp something that does well with heat like i was thinking maybe gruner i do love gruners and i said or something from greece so like this is a perfect companion i feel like if you like gruners like i do uh, this sounds like a wine that's perfect for you it's so perfect and it's native to santorini the island what an island pretty famous island most people have heard of the one the people the one but now it's planted and grows well all over greece and for the most part it's not oaked it's just fresh and lean and crisp i am so enjoying it right now. How much do you know about Greek wines and or are a lot of people in wine kind of learning about Greek wines? 
are there tr- are there people that are true aficionados? I'm sure there are people who have Greek restaurants, things like that. May know, but like someone like yourself, like as you mentioned earlier, you're you're rediscovering this wines as well, just like everyone else in real time. Absolutely, I think that I haven't been as exposed to Greek wines because there just haven't been that many in the market in California and that many great wines until more recently. Now we have importers like Athene Imports, which imports all Greek wines and they're all small producers. And you just get to, get to learn so much more about different winemakers who are doing special things and these grape varieties and what they really taste like. Because you want to taste 10 Xenomavros before you sort of think, oh, I sort of start to understand what this grape varietal is. And also the importers now, I think, care more about wines that have that sense of place, are really showing what the varietal, they're showing what the varietal can be, what Greek wines are, and not trying to make international wines that are covered up by oak or too much winemaking and just taste like they could be from anywhere. They're interested in wines that really taste like they're from Greece. So I feel like I'm just starting to understand that. You talk about tasting like Greece. Can we do a tasting so we understand a little more about what Greek wines taste like? Okay, so let's look at this wine. It's a pretty deep straw. Not hints of yellow, but it's, it's fully straw. Maybe a little watery at the center. Very reflective of the light. Now, Very clear. A little water at the center. What do you mean by that? The color is more visible as you move to the outer. Yeah, rim. I mean, I just sort of am seeing more of that straw on the, around the rim. And sort of at the center, it almost looks like it's straight water if you just look down at it. Depends on the angle. You know, if I'm looking at it from the side, it's like, oh, pretty consistently straw. But then if I look down on top, I'm like, wow, this is water maybe. Very clear. Now I'm swirling the glass. Legs are coming down. Not too fast, not too slow. Kind of medium, not huge. I'd say this is medium in terms of alcohol. And on the bottle it says 12.5. So I guess so. Let's put our nose in there. Oh my, get so much lime and lime zest. Lemon, grapefruit, super citrusy. But maybe passion fruit also. And the fruit is just juicy. And the citrus is like a little sweet. In terms of other things, there's just like this saltiness to it. Like salty air or salty rocks. There's an intense minerality here. Something kind of chalky. There's a floral note as well. Just really delicate, delicate white flowers. But I keep going back to that salt and the citrus. That's my weakness in wine. Salt and citrus? Yeah. Okay, let's taste it. This is a dry wine. It's light in body. It's high in acid. My mouth is watering. And all those things that we talked about on the nose, the citrus, the chalkiness, the rocks, the salt, a little bit of floral. Now I really just get lemon and a little bit of minerality. Lemon and maybe a little salt. Sea salt air with fresh squeezed lemon. Now, when you describe a wine like that, it almost sounds like the wine could be boring because you're saying what you're getting is so feels like limited in scope. But what is it about that this wine in particular that makes it delicious? Even though all you seem to be getting, in air quotes, all is citrus and sea salt. Well, that's on the palate. We did definitely did name more things on the nose. Mm-hmm. 
different kinds of citrus, the passion fruit. But I think there's such elegance in the simplicity of this wine. And all of those things that I mentioned, they're so pure and crystal clear. Sometimes I would call a line a wine like this more linear. That's a great description. I love when people say linear. So expound on that a little bit. It's just really piercing and it's really focused. Maybe there are aren't as many complexities as with some other wines, but it's not muddled. It's very pure. And that makes it super enjoyable. I love that description. It's ultimately so refreshing. This is a wine that benefits from being really cold. Now it's warmed up a little because we've been drinking it, but it it shows that minerality and saltiness more now. It is simple in a sense, but definitely not boring. (laughs) And I didn't mean to say that. I just, when you hear someone say that as a description, you wonder, but when you're tasting it, you do taste, oh, this is delicious. It's just when you talk about the technical tasting that you ask that question. But there's no doubt, this wine is delicious. And all I want to do is be by a pool and have this in a bucket of ice and be glugging it. So the other fun thing about Greek wine, you're thinking about being by a pool, is you can think about this image of this place where it's from. Be that the island, but in this case, it's Macedonia. And Apostolos Thymiopoulos, he's from Nausa. He's from this region. He is, his father was a farmer, but he's the first in his family to become a winemaker, to bottle their own wine. And he has projects all over the country because he's just He's that winemaker now. He's doing something profound, and he's very interested in different terroirs and making really balanced wines. He's also obsessed with farming. His dad was into organic farming, and now he's converted their estate vineyards to biodynamic as well. This wine comes from some organic and some biodynamic vineyards, but I think he's like a winemaker to know. He's like this. He is one of those who's gotten international notoriety for a reason. He's doing like really special things in Greece. So that's kind of fun too, you know, like, oh, and there was a great article in, I think it was Decanter recently about him that we could share too. Yeah, let's definitely share that. And this wine was also the featured wine for many of our members in the Esther's Wine Club this month. Well, that's cool. The theme this month was you know, let's drink our vacation. Since we're not going anywhere, since we're going camping or going to little Airbnbs, let's drink our vacation. So they got wines from Corsica, wines from Sardinia, wines from Greece, places that we would love to visit. And which is fun. You know, if you're at home on the couch and you're drinking a bottle of wine and you start to look at pictures of where it's from, especially some of these places, you know, you can just go on a little liquid trip. I mean, this wine feels like you should be near the ocean. Now, this is where we tell our story about Greece, shall we? Let's set the scene. 2003, summer. We're like grad school aged, and we stay in a hostel in Greece, in yeah. Athens. Yeah. We said, everyone who talked to us said, you need one night in Athens. It might have been you who said this. It was me. I'd already been to Greece. <laughs> yeah, yeah you've been everywhere. I'd never been. And you're like, well, you one night in Athens, and then maybe a week in the Greek islands, Greek isles. And we did that. And we stayed in a hostel, and we stayed with someone else in that room, and I said, not doing this ever again. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I've been hosteling for years. And I said, if you're with me, we're not hosteling anymore. No okay. offense to hostels. It's just I, I'm such a particular sleeper that I just don't need other people seeing me sleep. <laughs> well, you can't actually sleep if there's someone else in the No, room. I didn't sleep at all. So we did that, and then we went to 
Acropolis, right? We did the Parthenon, did the tour, and then we hopped on the big ferry that took us out to the island we talked about earlier that everyone goes to, Santorini. And then we did not stay in hostels. We stayed in a little single uh, unit hotel. Just, yeah, little, cute, tiny little, little places. S- yeah, nice little place. We rented a moped, and I rode around on it. Had a great time. And then Catherine got excited and wanted to ride with me. We do a little tandem motorbiking. And as soon as she hopped on, I ran right into a wall. <laughs> and cut your toe I ri- off. I ripped my big toe off almost <laughs> completely. I don't know why I was wearing sandals. It was so stupid. But for the rest of the trip, we had like a six-week trip. Then we were just starting across Europe, and I had a shredded toe. We tried Amazing. to go to like a first aid thing. They were like, here's like a box of gauze yeah. for you, sir. And you were just like down and out and keeping it above the sand. Like we couldn't like you couldn't fully enjoy the beach because your toe was just demolished. When we went to Cinque Terre, he had to like hike in a in a flip-flop. Basically, everywhere you went in flip flops for the rest of the trip because you can put your foot in. Quite a start to the trip, Europe 2003. We ended up going to Paros and Naxos as well and really enjoyed both of those a lot. I mean, all three were great. I think we might have been partial to Paros and Naxos, honestly, just because there's the. It was quieter. It's quieter, exactly. But all are great and it was a special trip and I'll always remember uh, leaving my toe. Back in Santorini. I left my toe <laughs> in Santorini. Oh, the wine's, the wine's swan, kicking in right now. Your song. It is my song. <laughs> so anyway, we did have some great food. Everywhere you do eat in, in Greece, you have feta. Oh, the food is awesome. The food's you awesome. just have fresh fish. Yeah. And like some cucumbers, Greek salads. And that's exactly what I would think of for this wine, right? Fresh yes. fish and Greek salad. would be perfect. Yeah. What Anything else? Anything with feta would be awesome for this. Any fish would be awesome for this. Anything like fried would be great for this too. Like either fried fish or fried something else. It's just like salty and delicious. Anything you'd put lemon on or salt on. But, you know, it's enjoyable to drink now without food too, which is always a great thing to note about wine. It's great for us after we put two kids to bed. We want to shut our brains off. Where can we tell people to get this wine or a wine like this? Well, you can get this wine at Esther's. But also, a Sirtico, as I mentioned, is one of the most prominent grape varieties that you're going to find around from Greece. So if you're shopping at your local wine store, ask them about wines from Greece. And really, just don't pay attention so much to the grape variety, but think about where it's from See if you can look at it on a map and give it a shot. Highly recommend Greek wines. We're actually, we're sampling some Greek wines earlier this week. Well, that's how we found this wine. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yes, because the folks at Athene Imports sent us some samples and they're just absolutely wonderful. Some rosés, some whites, some reds. But this one, immediately I was like, well, we just have to get this right now for the wine club and let's bring it into the shop. It's just this is a summer wine. We have to have it now. This wine hits my sweet spot so badly. I mean, I did buy a wine by the case that was very similar to this. Do you remember this? It was just basically a like... Salsa Verdicchio. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they're related at all, but they just have that... They're not. Okay. But they have that sea breeze... Sea salt, breeze, saltiness. lemon, salt yeah. thing. It's just that's like... That's your thing. That's my, that's my wine thing. So my birthday's in a few months out there. Listeners, if you want to send that lemon salty thing, that's it. All right, now is the last portion of the show, which is what has been inspiring us this week. I'm going to go first. And this happened to me today. There are several in our neighborhood of these, and they are the small 
little give a book, take a book. Little free libraries. Little free libraries that are, there's like four or five or more in our neighborhood. And we walk by them all the time when we take our kids on a walk. I never get a book. But you open the door. You look in, right? I look in every time. Yeah. Every time. I don't think I've ever gotten a book before until today. So shout out to the little free library on wherever it is. To the, the gentleman who owns a dog and a cat and has a horse statue. <laughs> well, I looked in the library today, and I actually got Machiavelli's The Prince, and I got the book that I was really most excited about. Again, never picked up a book before. It's Just Kids by Patti Smith. It's an autobiography about her relationship with photographer Robert Maplethorpe. I've always wanted to read this book, and now I have it. Pretty cool. Little free libraries. And now I've got to like pay it back to the community and give some books back. So I'm going to scour through our library. That, well, I would love that. I know you would. Yes, I'm happy about The Prince. It'd probably be a tough slog for me if I'm being honest, but I want to read it. But I am excited about Just Kids by Patti Smith. came out, I think, I looked it up today, 2010. Really pumped about that book. So shout out to Little Free Libraries. Catherine, what do you have? Well, I am always inspired by those Little Free Libraries. And... Um I'm glad you finally found something. Yeah, sometimes they just have like weird old cooking books. It's nice that you found something cool. I put a lot of stuff in there over the years. Anyway, this week I have been listening to a new podcast and inspired by this podcast. Now, there's only a few episodes out, so I'm reserving the right to change my mind, you know, at the end of the series because it's only a few in. But so far it's really intriguing and very educational. It's called Nice White Parents and it's from Serial and the New York Times and the host is Chana Jaffe Waite. And it's just been very interesting to learn about her study of this middle school in Brooklyn and the history of public schools specifically in Brooklyn and what is diversity, what is integration, lots of questions and some answers and some non-answers. Anyway, if anyone else out there is listening to this, what do you think of it? I've been just fascinated and I'm learning stuff all the time, but I'd love to talk to other people. Tug, you turned me on to this, so thanks. At least it's been some great conversation for us. It has. I mean, we have a four-year-old who will be going to kindergarten in 2021. You and I are both public school-educated kids. If we have the opportunity, we'd like to send our kid to public school. So this topic raises a lot of questions and, and has some interesting insight into how people behave with their kids in school. I, I too, have enjoyed it. I, too, reserve the right to uh, review my opinion at the end of the series, but I have been excited to listen to the show so far. So that's Nice White Parents and Little Free Library, all about education today on the episode. And that's it. That's episode 44 of The Long Finish. Episode 44 is in the books. Thank you to everyone for continuing to listen to The Long Finish. If you have an opportunity to rate, review, and subscribe to the show, we'd love it if you did it. Catherine, where can they find you in a long finish on social media? You can find me at Catherine Weil Coker, and you can find The Long Finish at The Long Finish, and that's both on Instagram and Facebook. You can find The Long Finish on Twitter at TLFpod. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tug Coker. I had a person reach out to us to 
do an interview this week, so hopefully we'll make that happen. Really excited to have this person on the show. So we have some cool ideas cooking up. I hope you'll stay tuned. But until then, I hope you all stay safe, stay healthy, practice social distancing, have a great week, and of course, happy drinking. Ciao.